Let us continue to worship brothers and sisters with our scripture reading from Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 through 12. This is the Lord's word. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with the cursed, for you are robbing me. The whole nation of you bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Good morning to all of you once again. As we continue our series in Malachi, it's incumbent upon me to summarize a bit where we are so that we can all be in the same place. First and foremost, Malachi is one of those books in the Old Testament that is very, very difficult to translate. The way the Hebrew is set out, it's very obtuse in many ways of what exactly the writer is trying to write. We see that in the prophets themselves. If you ever tried to read all of Isaiah from beginning to the end very quickly, you often feel like lost. What have I just read? But that does not mean that the meaning behind what the writer is trying to convey is obtuse. It is clear what the prophet Malachi is teaching us. And even though we might not understand every line here and there, God's word is clear to us about who he is and what he has done. The second preliminary thing is that the, the book of Malachi itself is a charge, a legal charge against the people of Israel for their failure to worship the Lord. Think about a judicial case. You're standing there. You're the defendant. And the Lord God himself comes before you and makes these six charges or disputations against you. And there is a back and forth between God, represented by Malachi the prophet himself, and you, representing yourself before the Lord. Now, being a prophet is not something that many people aspire to be back in this day because your primary purpose as a prophet was to bear bad news. 
And Malachi himself understood that this oracle or this burden that he brought to, Malachi, to the people of Israel may not be received well. No one likes to be rebuked. No one likes to be told what they've done wrong. No one likes to be confronted. But God himself in his infinite love and his infinite wisdom will not let his people die in ignorance or die in their own willful sins. But God, the God of love, longs for his people, his covenant people, to return to him. And so as you listen to what Malachi has to say here, he asks you, I ask you, the Lord asks you by the grace of his Holy Spirit that you will receive this rebuke well. And you will ask yourself the question, does God love me? And that you'll be able to answer in the, in the affirmative, yes, surely this God loves me. We saw in the first five disputations that what Malachi brought up was first something broad and something very specific. The first disputation was the people were angry at God and said, God, you don't love us. Show me that you love us. Sounds like a, a, a child not getting what they want, right? And God says unto them, I have loved you. How have I loved you? I've loved you with my electing love. I loved you before I created the world. I loved you before you were even a thought to yourself. I loved you before all of eternity, and I will love you to the end of eternity. You are special before the Lord. There is nothing that you do in this life that God does not see. Your sins, your struggles. And yet in Christ Jesus, you have been forgiven. And in Christ Jesus, you've been brought to him. In Christ Jesus, that electing love has been made assured in you. It is as if your parents said to you, you can do nothing wrong. I will always love you. And surely that is what God says to them. The other disputation we, is, is about worship. And why aren't you worshiping me as you ought to? And especially the priests or the leaders of the day. Why are you letting the people worship me half-heartedly? And the leaders are, are being accused of, of being too satisfied with half-hearted worship. Half-hearted love, half-hearted commitment unto the Lord. And then the, the charge goes on to, to the people of God as well. And as we keep hearing the disputations, he gets closer and closer to the ways that we live. And this is where I think it gets hard for Malachi I think it's where it gets hard for any preacher or teacher. This is where it gets hard for any parent. And this is where it gets hard for even you. 
when you're trying to help your brother and sister in Christ to grow in the Lord. We talked a few weeks ago that one of the charges against the people of God were they were marrying people who did not know the Lord. You talk about getting to the heart of the issue. There are two things that Christians or any person do not like to be told about how they should live. And believe me, whenever I talk about these two things, corporately or even individually, they're the two hardest things to talk about because the person changes. The first is, as we just saw, who can I date? Who can I marry? You want to have some hard conversations. You want to potentially lose friendships. You talk about that. God charges the people of Israel. If you love me, if you love to worship me, if you love my people, then surely would you not want to love, to marry, to have a family with someone who loves me as well? If not, O oh oh, oh Israel, do you really love me? Do you really worship me? Do you really love God's people? And the call then was for all of us to say, God, I love you. I love God's people. And I want to, to, to marry, and I want to seek a partner who I can build a family with, who will worship you and love you as well. It's the only thing that makes sense. We often laugh when we see those, those license plates, right? We see, we see a, a family divide or a couple divide, and we'll see like Georgia Tech in Georgia or Tennessee in Georgia or, or whatever it may be. And you sort of you laugh at that because you know there's... <coughs> People love their schools, but we know that school is not everything. But God tells to us it's impossible to say, I love Jesus, I love the world, a house divided, without sorrow, without knowing the inevitability of a house that's divided that cannot stand. So the charge for you, all of you, especially by Emory students who are here, trust the Lord in your dating life. We heard from, from um, Joseph Lau with the children's message of God's providence. Surely God knows your steps. Surely God himself will orchestrate your steps. Surely God will give you according to his grace, according to his mercy, exactly what you need 
at the, at the time of his choosing. Just follow him. Obey him. In this passage today, and we're going to go very briefly because we have a lot of stuff to do today. The second thing to talk about is what? Well, the first is about who can I date. The second is, what do I do with my money? It's an incredible age that we live in today. People today are more open about their sexuality. People are more open about um, how they live their, their lives in that regard. To the extent that it, it's, it's almost, it's, 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 to me, it's, 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 it's vulgar in many times. But in today's day and age, we talk about that freely. But you ask people, how much do you make? How much is in your bank account? Everyone just is quiet. When people question, how are you spending your money? People get very defensive. And God is saying to us, listen, your finances, what I've given to you, is a gift from me to bless you and to bless the people of God. Now, in this time, there was something called a tithe or a 10%. And this tithe that was given by the other 11 um, tribes of Israel were given so the Levites themselves could live. The 11 tribes would work, give their tenth, so that the Levites, who, who would, would um, um, lead the people in worship and all the accoutrements around the worship, that they themselves would not have to worry about that, but that God himself may be magnified together. And God is saying to the people of Israel, why is it that you cannot give the full tithe? Why is it that you cannot give of what I've given to you? And again, people don't want to hear about this, and it's a difficult subject for many of us to, to listen to. But God says unto us, the gifts I've given to you are not simply for you yourself, but it's to give to glorify me, used to love other people, used to serve a world that is in need to hear the good news of the gospel. And again, it comes down to what we worship. If we were to simply go through your credit card list and see where your money went, you'd probably get a very clear picture of who the person is. Not what they say they are, but who they actually are. If I asked you, give me your credit cards, your expenditures for the last year, and I read through it, I can tell you who you are. You know why? Because that's what Google does. That's what Facebook does. That's what everyone else does. And if you look at it, it's a mirror unto yourself of 
this is what I actually worship. This is what I fill my life with. Now, this isn't about guilt. This is about God wanting your heart. And in fact, the tie that we see in the Old Testament, in, in my humble opinion, that's been abolished. God does not ask for 10% anymore. God asks for according to the measure of your heart. Think about that. God does not want you to simply look at your account, go 10% and say, write the check, there it is. God doesn't need your money that way. God wants you to look at what you have and say to God, all that I have, you have given me. Lord, how can I use what I have to give back unto you? To use for your kingdom, to use for your glory, to use for the sake of seeing the blessings of God poured out on other people. Brothers and sisters, the grace of the Lord Jesus has been given to you, the fullness of his riches. Our duty before the Lord is to look at all our resources. And instead of building our own life according to the measures of this world, to ask the question, how can we build God's kingdom and watch it grow? And how can we expedite it with the gifts that we have? Here's a challenge, brothers and sisters, and here's something very pragmatic for all of you. I don't want you to go home feeling guilty and go say, okay, I need to just give everything. That's not what I want you to do. You're not supposed to give everything. There's a limit to what you can give. And the limit is very simple. It's if you give so much that you need to come to the church for us to help you out, then you've given too much. Okay, that, that's too much. But I ask you with your time, with your finances, with your energy. Give according to your love for the Lord. Give accordingly. And if it's simply you have a hard time giving because it's uncomfortable, Come before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me that I value comfort more than being able to love people with my time, with my energy, with my finances. God did not promise a comfortable life. And all of us here with finances, it's comfort that we seek after. It's ease that we seek after. If you're giving up comfort for the sake of helping others, for helping the church, let that be a guidestone to help you make better decisions.
Now, with time and money, if it, if it really, really, really um, comes down to breaking you as a person, time is a little bit easier to, to explain. But there are times where you cannot give all your time to people. And you need to say, I want to give. I don't mind being uncomfortable to give. I'll give my time and my resources. But if it does so to the detriment of your relationship with God, then you need to step back and pray through that as well. But here's the challenge. Wanting comfort and sacrifice to the extent where you you sacrifice your your well-being. Where is that line? Every single one of you in your relationship with the Lord must wrestle with that question every single time. You are not Jesus. But even Jesus himself, what did he do? John 7, John, 5, John, 5, John 15 through 17 is, is some of the passages I love the most because this is before Jesus is about to be crucified. He knew he was about to be crucified. And what did he do? He washed his disciples' feet. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of oncoming suffering, what did Jesus do? He served. He loved. He gave everything he had. That Jesus has given you every riches on earth and in heaven. We ourselves as God's people use your wisdom well. Lord, how much can I give unto you with my time, my resources? And if you do so, brothers and sisters, you will reap the blessings. How many times have you bought lunch for someone who was wrestling and you say, you know what, I'll buy lunch even though it's a little bit difficult for me. You buy them lunch and you have this wonderful conversation about God and what God is doing. How many times have you given up your time? You know you're exhausted, but you know that you want to go and and help someone to move. You go help someone to move, and you hear their story about what Jesus has done in their lives. These are the fruits. These are what you get paid back. And how many times have you felt blessed? When you give, when God repays you with the spirit that gives you joy, with stories upon stories that you get to hear and to witness. Brothers and sisters, I'm not here to tell you how to use your time and resources. Only God can do that. This is not a church about guilt. This is not a church that's trying to rein your time and your energy. This is a church that wants to see God's love propel you 
My wish and God's wish is that his joy and that his blessing will be given unto you as you give back to him. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we know how hard it is, Lord, to give our lives unto you. None of us knew what we were getting ourselves into when you first called us as your sons and daughters. Yes, we said, I believe you in Jesus Christ. Yes, we said, Lord, forgive me of my sins. We said, yes, Lord, I will follow you all the days of my life. But Lord, we confess, Lord God, that we are a people who, even though we're elect and save, there is still indwelling remaining sin in all of us. But Father, praise be to you that none of that cancels our salvation. But Lord, our awareness of this simply shows us that we belong to you. So thank you for, for, for conviction of sin. And help us, Lord, instead of trying to make things right by doing things, to come before you at the cross and to receive your love, to receive your grace, and to receive your mercy. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We have the privilege once again to, to celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion. The sacrament of Holy Communion was instituted by Jesus Christ himself at the Last Supper. It is one of two sacraments that he instituted in order to strengthen the church. Holy Communion itself is not a sacrament that has magical powers. It is not as if you take the wafer and you take the wine that something changes inside of you. The wafer and the wine has no power in and of itself. But the wafer and the wine must be married to your faith given by the Holy Spirit. As you take it in faith, God strengthens you by reminding you once again that you were bought at a price and that his undying love remains in you through the Spirit from now until all of eternity. For those of you who are members here at CCPC, you are welcome to come to the table. Please come with hearts of repentance unto him. We can't name every sin, but we just come to the Lord and we say, Lord, you know my sins. You know the depths of it even more than I do. Forgive me and help me. For those of you who are visitors here, if you are a member of a, a different church or another church, and you are a, a member there in good standing, what I mean by that is you could say to me, Pastor Young, the church I go to, I love that church. I love the people at that church. I give my heart to that church. Part of me is sad that I'm here, but part of me is happy that I'm here. Part of me is sad because I want to worship with my brothers and sisters back there. You're a member of that church then I ask you to take as well. And as you take, pray for your church at home, please. 
and pray for us because you're here as well. For those of you who are believers and you're looking for a church, you're not sure where to go yet, I ask of you to refrain. And you might be like, well, what, what's the big deal? I'm a Christian. Communion is not about your individual relationship with the Lord. Communion is about your, in, your relationship with the Lord and with the body of Christ himself. There are many churches here in Atlanta. I ask of you, pray to the Lord to provide just one for him. That's all you need. A place where you can worship, a place that can be challenged, a place that you can grow. You don't need this right now. Again, it's not magic. It's not a potion. But let the cup and the bread pass and pray, Lord, find me a church. I need a church. I need a place to grow. I need a place to find you. Lastly, for those of you here who are seeking about who God is, and many of you, when I see you, you all have a church background, and, and I know some of you here have had difficulties with church in the past, and we hear you. But I want you to put that aside and just come to Jesus and say, Jesus, all my past experiences, bad or good with church, the real important thing, the first thing is my relationship with you. Show me who you are. Show me who you are first. And pray unto him that his grace and mercy will be given to you. Let us pray, brothers and sisters. Lord, we thank you for your sacraments. They are a physical sign of an invisible reality. That invisible reality being your spirit, Lord, living in us, telling us and testifying to us that we belong to you, that we've been forgiven, that we've been justified, that we are being sanctified, and one day we will be with you when you return. We thank you, Lord, that these reminders, Lord, strengthen us, Lord God. And so, Lord, we pray for everyone here. You know everyone's heart, everyone's problems. You know, Lord, what they need. And so grant unto them, Lord, your peace and your love. In Christ's name we pray, amen.